Hey, it's Ampere's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Okay, I'm guilty of sometimes being a wet blanket when it comes to holidays. Catch me at the right time and I'll be sardonically dunking on our inclination to turn meaningful, sometimes somber events into, you know, opportunities for doorbuster sales, grilling meat, and crushing beers. Not that there's, you know, anything inherently wrong with those things. It's just, I don't know, I get a little queasy when they get tied to holidays like Juneteenth. But food writer Nicole A. Taylor takes that argument head-on. She's got a cookbook out called Watermelon and Redbirds, a cookbook for Juneteenth and Black celebrations. And she talked to here and now Scott Tong about it. They taped their conversation just after the shooting at the top supermarket in Buffalo. And Taylor makes his point that people can do two things at once, you know, hold space for sorrow and sadness, but also joy and levity. And there's a long history of Black people having to do just that. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. The day's top headlines, local stories from your community, your next podcast binge listen. You can have it all in one place, your pocket. Download the NPR app today. And this month, we observe Juneteenth. On June 19, 1865, two years after Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, enslaved persons were declared free in Texas, and that effectively ended slavery across the country. Celebrations began a year later, in June of 1866, and last year President Biden declared Juneteenth a federal holiday. So, how to mark it? Well, with music, with dance, and with red-colored drinks. We have a new cookbook to talk about. Watermelon and Redbirds is about Juneteenth and food. And author Nicole Taylor is with us. Nicole, welcome. Thank you, Scott, so much for having me. So, can you remember your first Juneteenth? I remember my first Juneteenth celebration so vividly. It was in a pocket park in Brooklyn, New York. And obviously there were food vendors there. There was a stage Mm -hmm. with so many brilliant young people and community organizations performing. And what really, really brought in everything that's so special about Juneteenth, there was a guy there with a mini pony and young kids were doing pony rides. And that, to me, was like this deep connection to Texas culture and to everything that is good about Juneteenth. Anything about the food that jumped out at you? You're like, God, this is different. I remember ice cream being there and having ice cream vendors and ices. And uh, I remember that so fondly that I made sure in this new cookbook that I have an entire chapter dedicated to snow cone, ice pops, and other very cool desserts. Yeah, you have a whole section on gadgets, and one of them is you need to have a snow cone maker. So the cookbook does not aim to capture the moment of 1866. It brings in newer flavors, and I want to ask you, what modern influences are you showcasing in the cookbook? You know, you know. here's the thing about my cookbook. I definitely put a spin on the traditional African-American food table. For instance, sweet potato and sweet potato pies are something that you see in Americana culture and also in, you know, Mm -hmm. black celebrations. But instead of doing a sweet potato pie, I was like, hmm, how can I take 
the taste and the spices of sweet potato and put it in a cocktail. So, uh. voila, you have the sweet potato spritz, which is a sweet potato syrup. Typically, I would make it in the winter months. But I took this syrup and made it a summertime thing by adding sparkling white wine, a little vodka, and uh, mm. capaletti. So this drink is a nod to the African-American table and also to Italian aperitivo culture. Another example would be the pesto and plum salad with grains. So who wants traditional collard greens stewed down on a hot summer day? I mean, some mm, people may want yeah. that, but for mm. me, um, <laughs> I love to have the essence of those leafy greens. And so I made it into a beautiful pesto that can be tossed in, you know, stone fruit and you can do fonio or couscous. And it's definitely a nod to all the foods that I grew up eating, you know, on Sunday Mm -hmm. or even a church anniversary. Well, so many colors in your food. The cover of your book is so colorful. You talked about drinks. What is the importance of red colored drinks? Oh my gosh, I love a red drink. (laughs) Red drinks are what I call Black Americans' connection to other Black people around the globe. If you look on the western coast of Africa, and particularly in Senegal, the national drink of Senegal is bisop, which is hibiscus steeped in water, maybe with a little sugar added and a little spices, That drinking ritual and that bright red color can be found right now in so many plantation cookbooks where you read stories about enslaved people having celebrations and strawberry lemonade would be Mm -hmm. uh, on the menu. And so I honor what I grew up seeing, and that is red punch, Um, you know, mm-hmm. during happy times when we're all celebrating together and gathering around the punch bowl or the big bin with red soda. And I love this line, who made the potato salad? You say that <laughs> line is uttered at least once at every Juneteenth gathering. You have a potato salad recipe. What's the key to yours? I would say the key to a Southernish potato salad, and that is my yeah. potato salad in the book. You need acid. I add pickled banana peppers juice to my potato salad. The other key, which is not an ingredient, but it is, is when you salt your potatoes. As soon as they're hot and you take them out of the boiling water, you need to salt them then. Why? Well, you get the salt is just not sitting on top of the potato salad. It kind of infuses into all of the bits of the potato. It gets all of the the umami in right at the perfect time. So can I ask you about the title of the book, uh, Watermelon and Redbirds? You know, we spoke to Bryant Terry about his book, Black Food, and he talked about how watermelon can be a loaded thing to say, a trope to describe the black community. Why did you pick it? Oh, wow. When I think of watermelon, I think about going to the grocery store with my aunt or my mom and as soon as we would hit the door there would be these giant cardboard boxes with watermelon and I would help get one of those watermelons down and what I knew is when we got home to cut the watermelon it was a 
it was going to be a communal thing. You would call a cousin and say, we're cutting a watermelon. We just got the watermelon. That memory is the memory I lean into. But it's not lost on me that there are so many ugly images and so many racial tropes that are tied to a fruit Mm. that is just simply delicious. So that is why the first name is watermelon. And as I'm talking to you right now, (laughs) a red bird appeared. My mom would tell me growing up, look up, look up, there's a red bird. It's someone in our family coming back to say hello. And so for me, the red bird always symbolized good luck. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, it's symbolic of the past, the present, and the future. So I put those two things together, and I think it's a fitting title for this newly nationally recognized holiday. Well, my mother-in-law, Sue Thayer, also has the same red bird story. So I look for them. Now, your book is is not just recipes. You have an entire section of Juneteenth gadgets, and I love kitchen gadgets. But at the beginning of each chapter is also an essay. And there's one on festival and fair food. And the essay talks about how festivals and fairs are often a reminder of white supremacy attempting to control black life. I wanted to make sure that not only that I would tell all my gadget-loving friends that they needed to get, you know, a proper cherry pitter. My mom has one. I, I, I still know my mom's cherry pitter. Your mom is smart. <laughs> uh, and I wanted all my <laughs> friends true. to know what I felt like was the best snow cone machine. But I also know it's important for all Americans to understand that for many African Americans— It wasn't always so easy for folks to pick up and take their families to the fair. In Texas, it was not until the uh, 1960s that black people could go to the fair any day they wanted to. There was one night, Mm -hmm. and that was Negro night. I wanted to mention that in the book because there's this thing with black Americans, and that is the juxtaposition of joy and sorrow in the toughest times even in places like Buffalo right now, outside of Topps Grocery Store, as so many people hold space for a violent, disgusting act. There are folks who are barbecuing, frying fish. There's probably a boombox playing. There's still this communion and this space of joy in the midst of sorrow. So I tried to also bring that to light in this cookbook a bit the history of Black folks doing just that. Nicole Taylor is the author of Watermelon and Redbirds, a cookbook for Juneteenth and Black celebrations. And, you know, you had me at Apricot Lamb Chops. That's what I'm making for Juneteenth. Nicole Taylor, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. And enjoy your Juneteenth spread. I will. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. Feel like the world is on fire? Shortwave is your antidote. We find joy and beauty in the science of the planet we live on. 
how people are taking action in the face of climate change, the many weird and wonderful ways animals have adapted to a changing world in the past and present, and how technology is pushing us forward. Listen now to the Shortwave Podcast from NPR. Numbers that explain the economy. We love them at The Indicator from Planet Money. And on Fridays, we discuss indicators in the news, like job numbers, spending, the cost of food, sometimes all three. So my indicator is about why you might need to bring home more bacon to afford your eggs. I'll be here all week. Wrap up your week and listen to The Indicator podcast from NPR.